we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. <laughs> me, 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 me. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name's Matt Waterworth. And my name is Scott Westby. Hey, Scott. Hey, Matt. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Great. So we are uh, Full Swing Productions, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, vid- video, and digital media industries of Alberta. Sweet. Speaking of that stuff. Yeah. There's a Kickstarter going on right now that I'm pretty excited about. This is cool. So our very first guest on the podcast was a dude named Spencer Estabrook. That's right. Who has just the mightiest beard uh-huh. um, and is probably one of Calgary's top filmmakers. Not yeah, probably. He definitely is. He's a good guy, for sure. Um, so t- t- you know the history of Sharkosaurus, I think, better than me. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it was a, a Story Hive project in the yeah. first round. Right. Um, when they only had five short films. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they you know, our, our friend Jason Long is, is in it and... Um, it's a it's a great it's a great you know he as we talked about on the podcast kind of a B movie style yeah. monster movie so uh, yeah it's super fun and now he wants to make a comic book out of it which we were talking with him about at the at the expo and he was very intelligently grabbing interest from people walking around the con floor and right. and now he has a, a beefy email list to send this new Kickstarter campaign out that he's just launched. Right, so it's the Sharkosaurus graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we're recording this, he is uh, about 15% towards his goal. He's got just over three grand. He's trying to raise 20. That's great. He was, um, he was under three yesterday. Yeah, he's moving quick. And yeah. the only issue with that is the pledges are tiny. Are they? He's asking for like eight bucks to get a digital copy. Oh. Hmm. Um... So it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, he's gonna need a lot of people spending just a little bit of money to get him there, which uh, is is tough, but I think a, a worthy worthy challenge. And so we encourage everybody to go to back this thing because he's a great filmmaker, For creating sure. a cool product, uh, and it's only gonna cost you eight bucks. Of course, you can go higher if you want, um, and you'll get a digital copy of this cool graphic novel. So uh, check out the link in our show notes or just Google Kickstarter Sharkosaurus. Uh, to uh, support your local industry. Yeah, so it was it was like a little seven or eight or nine minute short. Yeah, uh, and now he's kind of expanding on this idea. Of course, in Drumheller, it's a very interesting dichotomy that exists between the paleontologists who found a lot of, you know, <laughs> bones that suggest right. that evolution might be real, and then creationists who are there's a, a very uh, healthy religious population in Drumheller as well. So he's created what sounds like this Romeo and Juliet story between a paleontologist and a creationist, and uh, I think it's a great idea. Totally. Yeah, I can't wait to, to read it. Uh, uh, July 27th is the end of that campaign. Right, so, so get get that money in. And if you haven't backed a Kickstarter before, you should. Um, For sure. It's a really cool experience, um, and, and if you're ever thinking about starting your own Kickstarter, um, you should go through the process of being a backer first and just kind of see some of the do's and don'ts um, and how you feel being on the other side of the coin so for sure uh all right let's let's shift quickly to the in plain view corner or do you want to do that last in plain view corner no let's do it right now okay that's cool so uh it's a weekly update on this uh this feature film that we're making through the telefilm micro budget program called in plain view wait what oh we're yeah us oh yeah <laughs> we got to do this so it's a summer movie mm-hmm. and uh which means that we have to film this summer so we've pushed it as far back as we can. Right. We're shooting to film in late September, which means that we're suddenly making a movie in mm-hmm. production. So Matt, mm-hmm. uh, what's what's happened to you this week? How are you feeling this week? Uh, good. I, I um, you know, what I've been kind of pondering this week has been tone, the tone of the script and what kind of movie we're going to actually make. Um, so the, the script is 
pretty serious and a lot of uh, violence, but there's also some laughs in it. And that sounds cool, but I'm a little concerned about how I'm going to pull that off right. as a director because that that's a difficult balance Definitely. to strike. And what does that make our movie? Is it a is it a action drama with some comedy or is it a action comedy or is it a right. comedy with some violence or like so we we all need to be on the same page about this we haven't even talked about it we but haven't, no. but uh, that's what i've been pondering lately because and and we continue to revise the script and so i think that's going to be kind of my next set of notes with with kevin um is to is to really find the places that are appropriate for those and and then discuss with him what he's thinking in his mind and how right. those are being delivered right because you need to yeah if you're on the same page at the get-go it's going to make your lives a lot easier absolutely yeah so yeah. so and i think you will be i think i think you've got a good sense of it it's weird because comedy is hard but i think i think the movie needs some laughs oh for sure but not like 10 laughs like right. three good laughs, laughs. <laughs> I, but or maybe not like it's hard to know where the appropriate right. tone is yeah. so so i got to get on the same page with and that's Kevin. even something that you're, you're probably going to be finding out even as we're cutting it right like yeah yeah that's true audience that's true yeah that'd be great yeah for um, sure to find out when the right time is for those things absolutely uh, for me, yeah, it's um, the first thing that we turned to was the script to get another uh, another draft going. Um, now that it's a real movie, of course, there are considerations um, as far as budget goes, which we made before. But I think it's just you just have a different cap on when it's real. So this was the first time that I ever sat in a notes session as a producer mm -hmm. and only as a producer, right, right, um, on a movie that's going on a movie of, that's going. Yeah. So I. Uh, I didn't actually really love it. I felt like I... You feel like the bad guy. I, yeah, I kind of yeah. felt like I had to be the bad guy a little bit, which, which I mean, is fine. That's the writer-producer relationship. And that's the director-producer relationship. Sometimes I have to be the bad guy to make sure that the movie is made. Mm -hmm. um, and made and made properly. And I think I think what people maybe are familiar with is like the, the, the contention that happens between a writer and a director and then a studio and a... And a financier or a producer um is like we want to make art and they want to make business they right. want to make commerce right right so that's that's a that's not a foreign concept but i think what's interesting is our financing is from an artistic organization right, absolutely so that changes the conversation a little yeah, bit it just, yeah it sure does but at the same time i mean we're, we're being sensitive to um current social issues mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and, and how to address those within the script um, and then even even things like gunshots and things are, are suddenly they used to be you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there <laughs> yeah, yeah. and now we're there that bridge like, oh, is shit. right up ahead yeah so um, yeah it's it's a very different conversation when you're the producer and when it's a real movie then, yeah because uh, when it's not a real movie you're like yeah you do what you want yeah like, for we'll, sure <laughs> we'll worry about that later well it's right. later so yeah and that's something that that's worth worth talking about is like uh, our notes sessions with Kevin on this script have been theoretical and and right. and good and and Story good things have come of it that, yeah. but but uh but i think now that it has money attached to it it's like oh okay these notes need to be on point like we need yeah, to and sure. and so i think that's a shock a bit to kevin yeah um but the difference is we have money and this is actually That's happening right. so yeah. it's got to be yeah yeah. I, I, yeah I don't think any of us were expecting that note session to go the way it did yeah. um and i gotta i gotta tip my hat to kevin for for oh my god for kicking ass even during the session like yeah like like standing his ground when he really was passionate about yep. something yep. um and, and having a great debate about a lot of stuff uh, and then he turned down he turned around a draft in less than a week <laughs> yeah he's already like yeah, yeah he's already moving we so haven't even he's, had he's time to read it workhorse yeah. and uh um, nobody takes notes like him. I I, no. I don't I don't know how he does it, but he takes notes so well, 
and is so open to other people's ideas and uh but still gets his voice heard yeah. in there yeah it's yeah. amazing all right uh let's move That's on a, there's an art to that for yeah sure. for sure so uh csif there's uh, a new board of directors yay yeah are you on it i am on it yeah so <laughs> yeah i was at the agm oh nice there was no actual voting this year uh which and that's because we have nine seats on the board uh, and only eight people, uh, so we can we can run the board with five. Right. So nine is uh, is max. So eight is good. Um, but yeah, so mostly uh, the same same people. Two new people on the board, so that's cool. Yeah. So we welcome Brett Furster and, and what's Nadine's last name? Nadine Maddle Morgan, I think oh, her last sweet. name. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I hope I got that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Uh, and thanks to uh, Leah for uh, being the president of the CSIF. For yeah, for quite a while. A while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now Tina Alford is the president. Yeah, so which that's is really cool. exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know who Tina Alford is, uh, you should. She's the uh, the actra rep for. Got to get her on the so. podcast. Yeah, we'll get her on the podcast. Yes. Um, okay, so how's the CSF doing? Healthy. Yeah, good. It was a really good meeting. Um, you know, Barry, uh, the new uh, executive director, is um, and the first executive director in years, I believe. Uh, has been getting uh, a lot done and learning a lot about the organization. I mean, it's a big learning curve, um, so that's a that's a tough position. But I thought he was fantastic in the meeting and, and shared some really good stuff. And it's going in a great direction. And looking forward to seeing what it does. Yeah, we we hear we hear only amazing feedback about this dude. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and in dealing with him, I understand where that comes from. He's a pretty cool guy. I'm really excited about the future of the organization with him uh, at the helm. Indeed. So something happened uh, last week known as Brexit. Mm. And if you don't read the news, it's the British exit <laughs> from the European Union. So they held a yes. referendum and they voted shockingly, I think, uh, to leave the European Union. I, so I didn't really hear about this conversation until... The vote. Until John Oliver brought it up. Right. Uh, and and so that's virtually all I know about it. So I, I try not to speak about it as though I know a lot, a, a lot because I don't. Um, but I'm realizing now that Patrick Stewart... Uh, was in a sketch about he was playing the the prime minister of britain right and and he and he's talking about we're not we're here to serve the british people and and what has the eu ever get done for us and then he gets proven wrong over and over right. and over and over and over again oh wow and and so i never got that that's was, what this that, was. that was feeding right. into that discussion but i saw that so right. i mean yeah that is a pretty good indicator that well and, and even david cameron has announced that he's stepping down as prime minister that's right yeah so same yeah, yeah um but but who gives a shit if you're an alberta filmmaker right uh we, we might need to and i just wanted to chat about it because um there's no deny, and of course, this is all assuming that they leave, and, and there are there's a chance that they could hold a second referendum, and and they don't have to necessarily follow what the what the population says. Um, but what's undeniable is that it's throwing um, an already risky industry, the film industry in the UK, um, into unclear waters because now they have to renegotiate all of their co-production agreements with all with the rest of the European Union, right? Um, which could have a seriously negative effect on the film industry in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and then who gives a shit if we're from Alberta? Well, we just happen to have a BBC co-production in Calgary right now. <laughs> and it happens to represent about 50% of production right. in, in the yeah. province right now. So that show's called Tin Star. Um, so I did some digging, and it seems at first blush that it will not affect Tin Star at all. Um, nor will it theoretically affect any uh, UK productions in Canada, because the UK doesn't will not have to renegotiate co-production agreements with Canadians, because that's separate from the EU right. already. So that's good news. Um, the only thing, of course, would be if if this really does seriously affect the film industry in the UK so much that they are not, ha- they don't have the the 
flexibility or the capacity or the resources to come to Canada for more co-productions. Right. Um, but that's, of course, all theoretical stuff. So, yeah, I just wanted to address the issue and let it, let everyone know that it's, it's probably okay. Yeah. Um, but, of course, this is global news that can affect us. So. Yeah, interesting. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Uh, BC has a uh, has a film studio uh, right now. Uh, Hooray! <laughs> uh, in the Okanagan in Vernon, um, and uh, it's a retrofitted space that's been uh, built to uh, to shoot content there, which is very cool. Yeah, it um, seems like the Okanagan's been. It's kind of like Calgary wishing for a film studio forever. Right, yeah, yeah. And so uh, there's 7,000 feet of office and construction space available and a warehouse with two 1,500-square-foot spaces that are currently being retrofitted. 15,000. Sorry, 15,000 yeah. uh, to be used as sound stages throughout uh, the necessary renovations. Uh, though the necessary renovations are still being made, an undisclosed production company has already moved into the space. And that's where uh, there's a bit of an Alberta connection because that it's been reported that that company is from the prairies. So maybe it's it's someone from... I'm from the prairies. Yeah, yeah. Someone from here. Uh, although Saskatchewan... Sure. You know, Manitoba. There are more prairies than People ours. moving out of the Saskatchewan film industry for sure. So... Yeah. Uh, but it could uh, it could be a production there, and, and it sounds like a lot of TV movies and, and Lifetime kind of movies get made there. So, um, and who knows? Maybe maybe uh, we will use it one day. I sure. mean, you, you never know. Yeah, it's only six hours from from Calgary. That's right. Um, so uh, this this production company that's in there is, is uh, kind of agreed to use the space for a feature film and has plans to film three in total. Wow, that's pretty cool. Congrats that's to the folks start. in the Okanagan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there, there was an article in the in the Calgary Herald uh, this week, um, and as a vegetarian, I feel like I have to report on it. But I also want to take a completely balanced view of this because right. it, it could just be a non a non story. Um, so uh, the the Salute Train was shot uh, in Brooks uh, and and the area uh, this year um, is under investigation by the American Humane Society for uh, the slaughter of five bison. And I'm just going to keep this com- this super short because. Uh, I don't want to take any sides, um, nor should I. Um, so there have been allegations that uh, the animals were uh, slaughtered exclusively for the film, which of course is, is a violation of, of that, and so they could be not certified uh, as a humane film. Um, and then on the other side is John Scott, who is a, a legendary uh, horse wrangler and, and, and a staple in the Alberta film industry, um, who, who is saying that uh, the bison were designed for slaughter in the first place. They came from uh, Longview Beef Jerky, uh, they make jerky and they have the right to sell their meat however they want. So he's also saying if, if this was cattle, then nobody would be saying anything, which mm. I think is, is probably true. The fact that it's bison kind of makes this a bit more of a, of a story than maybe right. it was before. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's something to talk about. Yeah. It uh, could be nothing. Could um, be nothing. Could be something. But uh, yeah, it's a story that uh, we're, we're keeping tabs on. So that happened. Uh, and speaking of the media and, uh, yeah, Brunico Communications has acquired Achilles Media, which is interesting because Achilles Media runs the Banff World Media Festival, um, and Brunico uh, is the organization that that does playback and right. also uh, stream daily. I think it's called as an email they do. Um, is that what it's called? Or? Yeah. And uh, so yeah, so the, the, I think that's a cool. I, I, and honestly, I, I feel like an idiot because I are, I thought they were already the same company. Right. And I feel like maybe they've had some connections yeah, like before, they've... but maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, they they now own uh, the Banff World Media Festival, so right. we'll see what changes happen next year. Because yeah, that's definitely. that's uh, an that's interesting conversation for, yeah. for the festival, for good or bad, of course. Yeah, yeah but we'll these see. guys, run, I, I've been doing some digging into Brunico, and they they have a ton of conferences um, oh. that they run. And so through Real Screen Magazine, they have 
three, one in Washington, one in Santa Monica, one in New York. Right. Kid Screen, they have one in two in Miami, one in China, one in Vietnam. Um, Strategy has like seven in Toronto. Playback has two in Toronto. Oh, wow. So these are, they're a huge conference uh, company. So hmm. uh, yeah, ho- hopefully they kind of bring that sort of engine to work behind right. the Banff World Media Festival. Um, and hopefully the transition is seamless, but they've got a full year now to, to plan it. So yeah. Yeah. So what's up? Who's on the podcast? This well, week? first, I want to say I actually was working on a guest uh, this week and kind of fell through, um, but uh, hopefully we can get them on in the future. So so apologies for not having a guest. So, so we are going to uh, share one of our panels from the Calgary Expo this, this past uh, year, and uh, that would be the producing panel we did with our friends Jason Mamel and Scott Lepp. Those two dudes are the best. They are the best, yeah. And this was a good conversation um, because I think we had some really great questions asked that right. spurred some really good conversation. So, so, um, so the panel is, is officially called How to Make Your Movie. Right. Um, and we, we make that a trick on purpose mm-hmm. to, to get people sitting before we tell them what a producer is. Right. Because if, because if we call it Producing 101, people <laughs> will not show up. Nobody wants to nobody hear wants about to, that. Nobody yeah. wants to be a producer even though they probably have to be so but that's uh, always how we started off it's like yeah, sorry you're gonna have to do the work yourself and here's how yeah and it, it always kind of jump starts the conversation yes. that way and uh inappropriately moderated by our uh, our friend <laughs> nick mcquick uh i don't right, know if, of course. <laughs> i don't know if he said anything this time but there was one there that was, was one, like what yeah there was a few um yeah and it's it's good because you can kind of hear uh, a little bit get to know jason and scott who of course are, are will be guests on the podcast as well but uh, kind of a little introduction to them yeah all right, so without further ado, here is that panel. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys, it's Matt just uh, chiming in from the podcast desk here. I'm getting this episode of the show ready for you to listen to. And I was listening to this uh, recording that we made from the uh, Calgary Expo and unfortunately discovered that Scott Westby's microphone was not recording. Uh, not sure what happened. His voice was being amplified in the room from the microphone, but for some reason... His mic just wasn't going through the mixer to our recorder, uh, and unfortunately, everybody else's voices are coming through fine, including Nick's, uh, but uh, we unfortunately just don't have a good audio of what Scott has to say. Now, his voice is being picked up by the other microphones, so I'm trying to find a nice level here so that you can hear him, um, but so that the other speakers aren't too loud. So my apologies for that. Hope you enjoy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is the panel, local filmmakers discussing how to make their movie. Uh, Behind me are some very successful filmmakers in the uh, industry in Calgary. Um, This is not going to be like your normal kind of panel. First of all, I'm Nick McQuick. I'm going to be running around with a microphone. And if you guys have any questions at any time, put your hand up, get my attention. I'll come over to you and you get to talk into this. This is all going to be recorded uh, for a podcast called the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast, which uh, any questions that you guys have that might not, we might not get to or anything is usually brought up on it. It's available on iTunes. It's a wonderful tool for anybody that's looking to get into the film industry. So without further uh, do-do, we have four people here that I just talked a lot, so they're going to introduce themselves. Go. (laughs) I think we should make this quick because I I know we have a lot of uh, important information to share. So I'm Matt. I'm a filmmaker. Uh, I've worked on TV shows and movies like Heartland and Interstellar, and uh, I, I really dig sharing information and, and helping people uh, find their way into the industry and, and make their movies. So get in touch with us if you've got a, a question uh, after the panel, but let's talk now. Yeah, I, uh, I'm Scott Westby. I am also a filmmaker. Uh, Matt and I run a company called Full Sweet Productions. Um, we kind of split our time between corporate uh, commercial work and feature films and TV series and web series and all that good stuff. Yeah, let's, let's keep it moving. Cool. 
I'm Jason Memmel. I'm a uh, mostly actually a theater producer and director. Um, and then, yeah, and also um, do a lot of sort of small indie stuff uh, and uh, some stuff I've worked on with these guys here. So, yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Scott Lepp. Um, I've been in the Calgary film industry for about 10 years. And I'm currently the interactive producer for the Heartland television series, uh, where I just focus on a lot of digital media projects. So, um, the, the, the title of this panel is a bit of a, of a trap. So you've all been snared um, because um, when we talk about making your movie, uh, a lot of what we mean is the act of producing. And this, this, the first year we did this panel was called In the Producer's Chair with Matt Waterworth. Um, and, uh, and not many people came because the word producer is kind of a, a crappy word. Nobody really wants to be a producer, um, except Scott. It's like the rare Does anyone here want to be a producer, like just a producer? Wow, all right. Okay, three. Like, four. Th oh, oh four people. Um, welcome. Thank nice, nice. So, um, but how many people want to be a director or a writer? More than four. Yeah, or four. Uh, editor. Actor. Actor. Actors, <laughs> yeah. Cameraman, what? Uh, woman, um, Ed actor. Editor? Any editors? Sweet. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, um, for a lot of this creative stuff, in order to cut your teeth and get your own work out there, chances are you're going to have to make your own projects happen. And what that means is being a producer, even if you, that's not the route you want to go. Um, there are a lot of skills that, uh, that a producer needs that you will need to have to create your own stuff. So I think that's, if we can kind of focus our attention on the act of getting the movie made uh, and the producing activities that go along with it, I think you'll be set up for success. Um, it's about creating your own opportunities uh, and no, nobody's going to do it for you. So if you want to be an editor and you want something to edit, why don't you produce something and then you'll have something to edit. So uh, you got to do it yourself. That's the best advice I was ever given. So um, let's start by seeing if there's any questions off the top because we could just kind of gap. Yeah, do you just want to guide the conversation? Yeah, right there. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Um, thanks. Aside from herding cats, since you talked about what a producer does versus like, because you were saying, do you want to be a producer, filmmaker, writer? And really, if you're going to make your own film, you're, all, you're often all three, especially when you're starting out. So mm -hmm. can you just give me Sometimes some all seven. Well, exactly. <laughs> and the editor and all that stuff. So, so I think I know from my own experience what it is, but if you could just make the distinction, because aside from raising money, what right. else the producer Sure. Um, yeah. Let's. Should we just put the say the raising money aside for a separate question, or, or yeah, is that that's, that's a big part of it? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's gonna. I mean, that is the probably gonna be the biggest thing. But there are other ways to do it. Um, the first thing you're gonna need to do. I mean, it depends on the scale of film that you want to make. But what I typically recommend for small scale filmmaker filmmakers and people just trying to break in is just just start small. Start with one scene. Start start with a short film, three to six pages, something like that. But you're going to need a story first, so either write it yourself or find one of your friends or somebody you know in the industry to have written something, uh, and then move forward from there. So once you have your story, then you need to find a location. Find a friend, find a family member, use your own place, or write a story specifically for a place that you know that you can shoot in. Use a camera. The great thing about our phones these days is a lot of them shoot up to 4K. So they are very useful to just shoot a quick film. Use natural lighting. Um, if you can, or if you can get a small lighting package, go ahead and do that. But get a small crew together or do as much of it yourself as you can and just start shooting stuff because the most important thing you can do is, is gain experience and, uh, and build from there. No, totally. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think also too, um, it's like especially when you're trying to like as you say break in or, or start a project uh, sort of from scratch, is uh, try to try to um, gain as global awareness as you can about the. Uh, I don't mean about the actual globe. I mean actually the globe of your project uh, to make sure that you're aware of all the pieces that you're uh, that you're going to need to put together, um, so that you know that before you find out you need it at the last minute. Um, like for example, like sound. Sound is something that I often see in a lot of uh, small scale projects. That is the l the last thing they thought about, and therefore the thing that has the least amount of of uh, expertise or skill. Um, yeah. So so give it, getting a global awareness of like editing, sound, lighting. You know. Um, cameras acting to make sure you've got all those pieces as good as you can and not you're not surprised by anything. Which is just something that comes from experience. Of course, there are, you're going to miss stuff in your first film. That's true. Okay. Um, and that's what learning is all about. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with practice. Yeah, well, and film school is another place to learn all of that stuff if you, uh, if you want to go that route. Um, yesterday on the panel, we had a similar panel where uh, you guys talked about how networking was so important and that was like probably the best thing that you got from film school. Uh, right here, all the people that raised their hands for writers, editors, producers, if you're missing one of those people, look, look around. All the people here are obviously interested in this. So afterwards, at the end of this, they kick us out into the hall, but that's a great time to swap business cards. Like you can get at Matt and Scott's uh, on social media. I can't get the freaking phone out of his hands <laughs> and he will answer any questions. He loves attention. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, question. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, I had uh, probably heard this before, and it's come up again more recently, but um, if you could comment on um, not so much the importance, but the, the role, I suppose, of what they call a sizzle reel, like making that up, something small, and to me, somewhat apparent, perhaps you could comment on that and then the rest of the audience. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, uh, but... I think it's it depends on the the purpose of your film. So if you're if you're making a film, and I I think too few filmmakers think this way, but if you're making a film as a way of learning to make films, that's a great idea because then you're it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to to not get it perfect and it's okay to not have it be your baby. Um, a lot of people make a film and want it to make a lot of money, and that's a really really rare thing. Um, and then it ends up that nobody sees your film and it might be good and that's a real shame. Um, so I think you have to go into a film knowing what you want out of it. So a sizzle reel is is a good way of getting money or interest for a, maybe a bigger project. So maybe you're shooting a short film in the world of your larger feature film and you use that short film as part of your sizzle reel and you put together maybe here are my dream actors to have in it and here's the crew that, that has already come on board and here's a bit of what it might look like because we shot the short film for much cheaper um, but it but it looks like what the, we want the feature film to look like. So that's that's one way of, of referring to a sizzle reel. There's a lot of different definitions for it. Maybe someone else can tackle one of those. Uh, no, I I, I think um, as important a, as a sizzle reel is a proof of concept, and uh, especially when it comes to making a movie. And I think that, but I would say that that goes back to my first point, which would be making something small to prove that you can do it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've never actually made myself a, a sizzle reel in terms of trying to get a movie made, but I have done proof of concepts and, and uh, just small little things to give somebody a better idea of what you want to accomplish. And I, but I find that comes in handy usually when you're applying for grants or something like mm -hmm. that to try and get financing. For sure. 
But yeah, no, I, I think just basically what you're saying is like if, if you're making a sizzle reel to know that that it's it's got that specific purpose, which is to secure funding of either like for grants or or uh, uh, like um, what's the word? Uh, yeah, 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 like just just to to you know to pitch somebody right. um, or like a Kickstarter campaign too. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, that's completely. Um, uh, versus just making a sizzle reel and putting it on YouTube and somehow waiting for the dollars to roll in, mm -hmm. you know that's the <laughs> that's the one part right. you don't. You got to use it as a tool for your hustle, not your only hustle. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, with that, making a sizzle reel, it's filmmakers are going to make film. So if you want to start, like, if you want to start calling yourself a writer, you got to write. If you want to start calling yourself a filmmaker, you got to film. And the thing is, with no budget, with no resources, you're probably going to film it again later to make it better, but you you got to go out and you got to make the mistakes. That's how you're going to learn. It is a bit of a, I would urge caution a little bit when making a sizzle reel because if it's terrible, <laughs> uh, then you're going to be in trouble. Right? It's like, hey, here's a sizzle reel for what we're going to do. And it's like, oh, God, that was not good. It's like it's going to actually hurt more than it helps. So something to be in mind is treat it very carefully um, and make sure that it's reflective of the work that you're going to be able to produce. Uh, I, I have a question. Oh. What is a producer? What is it? What does that mean? How did you get here? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Not a... for the audience, but for the <laughs> You um, guys. <laughs> I, I'm a creative producer, and I don't even know how I got that job. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah, that just happened. Thing. And most people think that a producer is someone who puts the money into a project, which actually is usually not the case. And smart producers never put their own money into a project. Um, and I always like to say that the producer is the one on stage when they give you the best picture Oscar. That's who goes up and gets that. Um, but but maybe you guys can speak to it. What the hell is that producer? Um, well, I mean, it, like in in my mind, it's always been the the person who like literally produces the film, like that, uh, you know, um, like a like a chef cooks a meal kind of thing, uh, puts the ingredients together, um, usually plans it. Uh, now they're not necessarily like the. Uh, no, okay, no, my metaphor is going to fall apart. I'll, I'll step away from the chef <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> but uh, I, could, I could sense it fraying while I was talking. But uh, I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so um, uh, that, that's how I see it, as somebody who literally goes from the thing that didn't exist to the thing that does exist. They're the driving force yeah. behind it. Like a director will direct, but if they don't have any actors or if they don't have a crew, they can't really They direct. don't have a camera. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. So they, they and, and not to mention putting out the fires, right? Like inevitably when you're shooting or before and after, there are many, many fires. And, and the life of a film lasts long after the shooting. And um, so there's a lot of work to be done throughout the course of the life of a film. Did you have some more? Yeah, I would. I, I often called the producer the spender of money because you. I mean, once you get the money, then it's up to you to divide it uh, the the best way possible to make the best film. So on a TV series, I know uh, my boss, the producer of Heartland, gets a certain amount of money, and it's his job to hire the best people for the amount that he gets and uh, and produce the best product. So on a feature film, it's kind of similar. The director typically takes a bigger role on a feature film, but uh, it's still, you gotta spend the money and you gotta spend it efficiently and effectively. Nice. Uh, uh, in my experience, filmmaking's a lot like a gerbil race. You put them in the trough and then somebody's gotta poke them with a stick and that seems to be the producer, <laughs> is the guy that just gets the gerbil to the finish line. <laughs> you guys don't gerbil race in Calgary? <laughs> try it. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Way at the back. 
cord isn't that long. There we go. First of all, hello, podcast audience. You seem very <laughs> lovely today. Secondly, uh, out of left field question that you might not be qualified to answer, but I'll ask it anyways. What about the animation industry? Um, mm. Do you think it's possible to uh, break into an animation industry here in Alberta? And if so, how would that yeah, how yeah. did that happen? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, for sure. Thank you, Aiden Edgley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I know there's, I, I know at least one, uh, and I think there's even some others. But uh, New Machine Studios is here in Calgary. Uh, they've they've got a project they're working on right now. Actually, that a friend of mine's the art director for. Uh, and I'm just trying to think if there's another studio. I think there is. There's at least one more studio here. Um, Raven Tales actually was the project that New Machine did. Um, so yeah, so there is there is uh, animation happening in Calgary. Like there is, you know, uh, people doing it as a profession. As for breaking in, that would be, I think, a harder question. Um, if you were like, if you're asking about how to produce, how to break into producing animation, that would be probably a much more complicated question than I think I could answer. I but, would assume, uh, yeah, it would be easier if you were the animator. Are you an animator or trying to become an animator? Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's a, there's an animator in Edmonton, uh, and I'm forgetting Riley his name, Beach. Riley Beach. He's got, he calls his company or his brand Spicy Back Pain. Um, and he's got, he works with a TV show in Edmonton called Tiny Plastic Men. Uh, and they use his animation kind of as part of their show. It's a sketch show, so it's very kind of free to add some animation here and there. So it happens. It, there are certainly examples. Um, yeah, I think there are better people than us to, to talk about it, but maybe reach out to those people. And those people are at uh, Quick Draw Animation Society. Right. Oh, geez, yeah. Which is, which is a, a society in Calgary dedicated to animation. I, yeah, I'm, um, I'm kicking myself for not having thought of that sooner. Yeah, so um, <laughs> are, are you like an After Effects artist, or is that where you're working, or is it kind of hand-drawn sketch stuff? Maya, okay. Maya, oh, okay. 3D rendering oh, stuff. You're, you're in good shape, for sure. Um, and the oh. reason I say that is because... Um, the intellectual property that you're dealing in is not a physical thing, which opens up your clients to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the uh, internet. Yeah. So get yeah. on, uh, I don't know about Fiverr with Maya, but get on um, Elance. <laughs> Elance, yeah. yeah. Um, get on those, those websites where they're looking for people to do this work, um, and that's a great way to kind of cut your teeth and start from there. Uh, Upwork? Or, yeah, just, just search Elance. It's kind of what it used to be called. Um, I'm also just because I'm thinking about it. I think at this point I'm just naming out things that I know are in in Alberta. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, I think Bioware probably would hire. Bioware them. actually yeah. is one I was going to say. They're currently hiring junior uh, art uh, technicians, and Maya is the the thing they use for their assets. So. Really? Yeah. But I was going to save that for after because that's tangent. Yeah, because it's like you know uh, the, talking again about, even about sizzle reels. People will get excited about a video game because of the animation. Oh yeah, you yeah. know for a two years before the game comes out. Yeah. And I mean, other filmmakers too are, are most, I, I, there's such a, there's such a, a line between people who know how to use Maya and people who don't. Um, same goes for After Effects and all that kind of stuff. So if, if you just hook yourself up with some directors who don't know what the hell that is, suddenly they can make a Lord of the Rings battle sequence that they could never do before. Right, because that was done in Maya, right? Or Massive it was called. But Maya does the same kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, this is if, if you add a skill to a filmmaker's toolkit that they otherwise wouldn't have. So, yeah, I would say network, which is yeah, another thing to talk about. For sure. Let's talk about money. Yeah. What about how we get, how we find money to to make our films? Yeah. I, I know you want to talk about that, Scott. 
That's the hardest part, I'd say. But that's why I say to start small and work your way up, because if you have things under your belt, people are going to be more willing to give you money to make things. Um, but you need to uh, start small, build up, and ask for what you're capable of, of producing. So there's some great... Actually, Alberta does have a, a lot of opportunity. Um, Alberta Foundation for the Arts gives out... Uh, filmmaking grants up to $15,000 a couple of times a year. Uh, Telus Optic Local has a fund that gives out money, um, which it, it gives out quite a bit, but you're going to have to have done something. Most of these places are going to require that you have completed at least something, something then put it on YouTube mm -hmm. or whatever to show it off. So um, I'll let these guys chime in on a little bit more on some of the financing opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? Uh, oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Okay. Um, so when we're talking about raising money for a movie, um, there, there, be, there comes a point in your career where the, the crew that you want isn't going to work for free anymore, um, and nor do you want to work for free anymore either. So suddenly you've entered the business of making a movie, not the art of making a movie. And there are two ways to secure money for a movie. The first is if your movie is not going to make any money, in which case you're looking for an arts grant um, or a story hive grant or a Kickstarter, or there's where your movie is intended to make money. And that becomes a very different conversation because now it's a product that you're trying to sell, which means that it needs to be marketable, which means that there needs to be an audience for it. People are going to want to pay money to watch this movie. And that's where a producer, that's all the soul-sucking stuff, um, <laughs> which sucks the most. But um, if you start to see it like that, you're kind of setting yourself up for success in your career because it is a business. Um, we say all the time that Hollywood isn't in the movie-making business, they're in the money-making business. So uh, start seeing your film as a product and start treating it like a product, which means that the most important thing is cast, for the most part. Um, cast is going to come with an audience built in. Uh, for example, if you can get Brad Pitt into your movie, then you're going to make money on it, probably. That's why stars make so much money, is because they come with it like, oh, well, this without even a, a decent story or, or anything else, Brad Pitt's going to bank. Uh, a lot of money at the box office regardless. Box yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I don't know how much. Maybe more. Um, but cast cares about script first. They want a great story that's going to challenge these actors. And they will care about work that you've done. And they will care about that sizzle reel. So while the money people might not care if your script is any good, because, I mean, Sharknado's a thing. Um, <laughs> but Sharknado, was, Sharknado sells itself, right? It's high concept. If you're looking for a crappy B movie, I know what Sharknado is. I know what I'm going to get when I watch that. And now there's Sharknado. Four, the four coming, yeah. Now there's there's three. <laughs> yeah. Four is coming soon, yeah. Because it uh, made money, right? Yeah. I mean, it's terrible, but it makes money, and that's all that matters. And there are those genres that don't need cast. Horror is one of them. They, right. It just has a built in audience. And, uh, no names can can be fine in that in that world. But talking about money from from government or or, or other programs, um, I think a really important thing to to consider is is who's going to be evaluating your application for this money, and try to put yourself in the shoes of that juror of the person. Usually, it's a jury of three people, depending on the application, um, and and try to think like them. Like, what would you want to see if you had the power to give money to someone? Um, What's what's gonna make your heart feel good if you're helping a filmmaker who's starting out or or has a really cool idea um, or is really really obviously passionate about it? There, there's a lot of opportunity in an application to to show a jury that you really really care about your project and you really want to see it get made. So so try to think like them and uh, and 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 what they would fund and and try to fit into that that mold. Yeah. Um, something that uh, I remember um, 
I heard in my theater career, actually, coming up as a director, somebody said uh, the, the tricky thing about choosing somebody new as a director is that uh, choosing choosing that person means you're putting that person um, in front of, well, in theater, the money's a bit smaller, but still, like, you know, $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 or more if it's a much bigger theater company. Um, but uh, what I the reason I mentioned it is because what it reminded me of and what it's reminded me of ever since whenever I'm starting a project is to remember the the the, the cost of of time and energy that uh, that you're you're trying to marshal together, and that 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 helps perhaps give you the proper respect for the work that you're doing because you know of the time and energy and money that it's going to cost. Yeah, which means that you've got to be passionate about whatever film you're trying to make. If you kind of don't like it, I mean, if it's a Sharknado and you kind of are passionate about Sharknado, then don't don't just don't. <laughs> this unless is, you're getting a paycheck, right? Unless, right. Unless it's a, a job, which is totally fine, and, and there, those things come up all the time. But uh, if you're trying to push your own project, it, it will take you years and years and years before the cameras even roll to start. And then you're a year making it if it's a feature, or a couple months if it's a short. And then years and years and years afterwards, pushing it and trying to get people to watch it. Because um, there's so much content out there. There's just so much that... You kind of have to hustle yourself, and you got to push your own movie. Hey, I've got a movie. Watch it, please. Um, Not to mention the, the all the tax stuff. Um, oh oh there's God. a producer in the room right now who I'm sure is working uh, on, on that side of things. Your movie's been done for two years now, is it? Almost? Yeah, feature film. And and now you've still got to do your audit for your tax credits, and, and the CRA has to approve everything and, and before you get all, all your money back. But that's a whole other thing. But you don't hate that movie, right? No. Right. <laughs> would, you, would you be here right now or not here? But would you be in this position if you hated that movie? Right. So those are kind of the two currencies. Um, uh, who, um, who it's a panel about how to get your movie made. Yeah. With you guys all coming here, you obviously have some interest in it. Uh, I'm assuming post-production or production, like whereabouts in your projects are you guys? Yeah, that's something to. Is anybody kind of working on something now that that has a? Oh, we got a hand. Maybe there's a problem that we can help you solve. Okay, I think well, let's put a hand up. We've got to the end of the question. I'm presently working on a trailer for my novel, and you know, well, basically, I'm just having sort of trouble getting Blender to do what it like. Well, I want it to because I, I use Blender mostly because it's. I mean, Maya costs a fortune if you use it for any commercial application, or at least right. I think that's the case. Um, Blender, in case you don't know, is a free 3D animation program where you can do it just for sort of static 3D models as well. I think it was used to make the, at least the first volume of Ruby because they, they mentioned the Blender Foundation, the closing credits. So what's your goal with it? To, to well, basically, gain... to basically to sell my novel. Okay, so to sell the novel. So it's yeah. a, it's a, oh interesting. So you don't want to like make it into an animated film or, or anything like that. It's just a piece of video content yeah. that you, helps promote your novel. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. So what's the? You're just, that's just something you're working on. Are you having any tr problems with that? Well, as I say, I'm sort of having trouble with uh, getting blended. What I want me spend is supposed to do sort of 3D. What is it? Volumetric materials, and mm. then have a character who sort of smokes a thing. So okay. Um, you know, I want a, want a cloud of sort of pink magic smoke coming out of her mouth, and I can't figure a way to do that mm. because the volumetric material is actually to work properly. If and only we could find an animator somewhere. There's an animator <laughs> in the back of the room. There you go. Problem solved. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Any other hands? Um, are you, 
are, are you working on, on something right now that, yeah, you want to talk about it? So I have a background in TV, so development, awesome. all that other stuff, creating, I created two animated series, I did a lot of things, but now I'm creating my own content. So I wrote a novel, I got a grant to make it a screenplay, and I also want to um, do a short. So it's one location, it's a short, it's five, uh, five characters, um, a lot of rapid fire dialogue, because I originally came from theater. So okay, I want to cool. blend everything that I know and turn it into this one really cool thing. So I'm really starting from scratch. I have a lot of, obviously I know a lot of people that could come up with um, the acting for sure, all of that stuff, but the technical, the camera, the editing, the producing, like those are all the, the things that I used to be able to work with other people for that I kind of have to now take a bigger role because it's my own content. Right, right. Plus writing the script, obviously. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, oh. Yeah. So, no, don't go very far. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really glad you guys are having this uh, panel today. Thanks for coming. I'm thank you. I'm working on something now, too. Um, I was writing a short and made the, of course, beginner's mistake of turning it into a feature. Mm. <laughs> uh, it is a very micro-budget concept for a horror movie I think would work out well. And uh, right now we're doing social media, looking at there's interest in it locally. I'm in Saskatchewan, which has their own problems with <laughs> trying to get a film done right now. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, that's what we're in right now. And... Um, I'm, I'm looking at look, finding producers, trying to find the right people to partner with on this and see if, you know, either I'm making a YouTube video or I'm making something that might be able to tour horror film circuits or get sold to someone like Troma. Cool. That's awesome. That's exciting. Uh, I mean, horror, of course, is super smart because it can be made with very little money. Um, you don't need star power in it. And people will watch it if the concept is cool. So kudos for doing that. Um, do you know about the Telefilm Microbudget Program? Have you heard of that? Uh, so Telefilm is the kind of national government body that administers a lot of the monies that go out to uh, various films. Uh, and they have their regional programs, which is how Cronenberg gets his money, um, and, and that kind of stuff, where they'll give you hundreds of thousands and, and, and millions, ideally, of dollars. Um, but they also have something called the Microbudget Program. And every uh, January, February, they open up to filmmakers who are making their first feature film um, that you can apply for uh, up to half of a $250,000 budgeted film. Your budget cannot be bigger than that, but if it is smaller, then you're eligible to apply for this film, or for this fund. I think they'll give you $127,000, whether that's half of your budget or not. If your budget is only $100,000, they will finance the whole thing. And they give about, what was it last year? 30? 15, 15, yeah. They give about 15 yeah. a year. Uh, around the country. Which is pretty good. So oh, it's, it's a great, uh, I recommend looking at it um, and maybe getting your project ready to go for next year. I'm just wondering, because I'm wondering if it's like the Harold Greenberg Fund where you have to have a producer attached? You have or, to have a, um, we have to have a producer involved in the project, of course. But I mean a name producer, like, because no. in some cases you have to have someone who is an executive producer right. that has... It looks good. It makes it look better. I don't, I don't think it's a requirement, though. And in fact, they cannot... Your producer, writer, and director cannot have made a feature film. Yeah, yeah. So as a in a mentorship capacity, yes, and I think that would help. But no. So something to consider and look into. Telefilm micro budget. Yeah, not uh, doing anything myself yet per se. I'd like to go into pre-production of any number of projects I think of. But a, a comment on um, as an independent film producer wearing multiple hats like or independent filmmaker um, wearing multiple hats like producer, director, and so forth, and what your takes might be in that, thanks. 
Let's let these guys talk. Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of yeah. Well. Are you uh, just looking to talk about pre-production? If mostly? you're wearing lots of hats, I, where I, you I, kind of dedicate your time, I think. I'm thinking of actually, uh, sorry, I kind of jumped there, but thinking of actually doing production myself and partially money and partially getting people to work for extremely low right. wages, that sort of thing. But I, I have an idea that says you want to get money, your producer, you want to, you want to get the thing going, you're a director, or probably wouldn't do any acting, but just multiple roles and doing it independently. Like I uh, would like to do something independent and much as I respect unions, I, I don't have that kind of money. Right. So I'd like to have, you know, you know, people, including myself, doing multiple roles to do a very a lean company to uh, actually get the production going with the marginal amount of money. Right. Um, I, I think maybe the, the the first the first thing that triggers for me just hearing that 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 question is that the I think there can be a danger of uh, of you know sort of a um, jack of all trades, master of none kind of syndrome, um, where uh, because you're wearing so many hats, you don't have time to drill down on on a specific skill set uh, to, to really make the project shine in that capacity. Um, so yeah, I think that just, just that was sort of my first response. I had a few other ideas, but I think I'll, I'll let other people maybe take a crack at it too. Yeah, I mean, I like to wear a lot of hats, uh, obviously as a digital media producer because I produce, write, direct, shoot, edit everything I do on Heartland. So um, I encourage that. I think it's good. I think I, I just think you got to be you got to have a loose timeline uh, when you're doing independent stuff because you have to be able to find the people that are willing to work with you when they're available and that kind of thing. And I I, I like to ask people to do a lot because it, it makes them more invested in the project. And if you can somehow give other people something, producer credits, any sort of a piece of any sort of potential profits, things like that, that's a way to make it more intriguing to them. So I hope that helps a little bit. Um, in terms of the the feature film that you were talking about, I'm wondering if uh, have you shot the whole thing? You just want to have out. you shot the short film? Not yet. Okay. I would I would consider uh, either doing the short or else just doing a web series and just doing the the feature in a very confined and much smaller. Uh, version at first and try to use that to secure financing to do a, a feature. Yeah, I think getting to the feature film is the long game. Um, and, and the first step to doing that is doing something much smaller and, and even just something that, you know, is just for yourself, just to figure out a team that you like and um, and you're thinking about that, you know, four or five years down down the line um, so that it can be as good as it can be and, and build up your resume so that funders and, and broadcasters are interested in working with you. Yeah. It, Talk to your government and ask them to bring all the Yeah. Well, there's Wolf Cop. It's actually kind of a topic that comes up a bit on the podcast, the Alberta Filmmaker Podcast. Check it out. Probably a lot of useful stuff on there. Yeah. <laughs> How much time do we have? Yeah. Oh, one right here. Hold on. Thanks for holding this panel. Um, I was wondering if some of you'd be willing to just talk generally about your career paths because, you know, some of you are holding positions in production companies, especially Heartland. I'm a big fan of the show and I'd just be interested to, to know how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. Scott? Yeah, sure. I went to film school 
So I, I went to Vancouver Film School, which is a one-year program. It's very much on the technical side. Um, and it's funny because I came out of it wanting a career path towards producing. And it, that, it was not really a lot of producing at that school. But um, it was very filmmaker immersive. And so I do highly recommend that program because it's quick and you just get in and out and you make a... I, I must have worked on 15 to 20 projects while I was there, which is great. Um, and then from there, uh, I just came back and I worked as a producer's assistant on Heartland. And I, How'd you get that job? It's, I, I would say I was lucky. I, I just happened to get the right producer who liked me. I interviewed uh, for she, that same she, job. She hired me, <laughs> but I, I, there must have been 12 people that interviewed for the job. So yeah. there is a luck and a timing part of it as well. And then I've just kind of stuck it out with them and worked my way up. So uh, it is a little bit of luck. Uh, but I do recommend either going to school or else uh, working on indie projects and trying to uh, get into the industry by getting into one of the unions in town. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to guess here too that you probably wasn't just luck that they probably saw something like because you're you're a pretty you're a solid guy you do good work they probably saw a lot of that too. So. <laughs> I did. I had made several films by that time, so I'm sure that helped. Yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, I, I'm, I kind of came a circuitous route. Uh, my degree is in theater. I did four years at UFC for that and, and, uh, was just working in theater in as many capacities as I could primarily as a director. Um, and, uh, yeah, filmmaking kind of snuck up on me when, uh, there was actually a production of Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog that happened in Calgary here a couple, 2010, and I shot a short film trailer uh, as for fun. Uh, Chingay's was in it because uh, he's in everything. Local yeah. actor, amazing actor. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I, I uh, uh, Dan Dumashell uh, shot and edited, edited that. And yeah, and it was it, he was great to work with. And then it was kind of from there, kept meeting people and talking to people. I met these guys. Uh, I've since made a few other trailers for for uh, for theater plays and um, and even a few little short projects. Um, so yeah. Uh, I went to the State Film and Video Program, uh, which I cannot recommend enough, and uh, so did Matt. That's actually how we met. And um, from there, I, after I graduated, I started working uh, for a travel website, writing travel articles, which was not film, obviously. And then, uh, but I, I learned how to write from eight to five every single day and mm. force myself into that and find that, that discipline. Uh, and from there, I got into marketing for two years. And... Uh, that was a whole other skill set, and then um, I was kind of doing filmmaking on the side with Matt, with, the, with our company, we were doing shorts and stuff, and then we were like, hey, let's go full-time with this, and so uh, we did, we both kind of quit our jobs and uh, started full swing productions full-time about two and a half years ago, so that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the only difference between Scott and I uh, is that I, I started working for the production company that owns Heartland uh, in, in Calgary. They're called 724 Films. And uh, through that, I got to work on Heartland and some other shows as well. Um, and then uh, I ended up going to work uh, with Scott on a season of the show. And then uh, and then we started that Scott, yeah. <laughs> but then this Scott and I started our company and uh, and we've been doing that full time. Um, and, and we do corporate video to pay the bills. Uh, you know, making creative films is not very lucrative uh, unless you can really 
get yourself really dug in and that takes a lot of years to do properly. So uh, we pay the bills by doing corporate video and there's nothing wrong with that. So if you've got video skills, I, I highly encourage you to get into that side of it too because it, it still sharpens your producer skills. You're, you're making budgets and hiring crews and it's a lot of the same same stuff. Maybe the content's not as fun, but oftentimes it's actually pretty cool. So, um, and yeah, we should really plug the podcast because every episode of the podcast, we've got our, our wonderful operations director in the back right now. She does, she scours the internet for all the job opportunities and news and deadlines and screenings. So if you want to get plugged into what's going on in the community, it's a great kind of roundup of all that information. Cool. Plus an interview with a filmmaker or someone in the industry um, every episode. So that's Oh, cool. Alberta Filmmaker Podcast? That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's one. <laughs> Good. And maybe hear yourself on it if you listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more from this, from this side, anybody have any projects or questions that we can help with? You guys all like on a smoke break or, okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> We've only got five minutes or so. Is that right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> what if you're terrible at coming up with ideas? You need a writer. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> what if you're terrible at coming oh, up with ideas? Yeah. You're not. I am. <laughs> I am. No, you're actually not. Seriously. Like, um, everybody comes up. Most ideas are terrible. And, and the problem is... Uh, I would say more so the people who don't know that their ideas are terrible. And uh, I think I think terrible ideas can be executed very well and become awesome things. I'm sure there's been films that have come out that, that I've been like, oh God, that sounds like the worst movie ever. What a terrible idea. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Um, like The Ring. I was just thinking about this. Lord of the Rings. Like, come on. Frodo's taking a ring. Like, what a weird, stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a terrible idea. If you were to try and pitch that now, yeah, it's like, like oh, it's a midget. So midget's got to get a ring to a volcano. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> also, there's orcs. but execution was great. The way yeah. they executed it was awesome. Well, and and actually, I think this is the thing is that ultimately, don't worry about not having good ideas because anything that you're seeing, like when you go and watch a movie and you're like, oh man, that was a great idea. You didn't actually watch a great idea. You watched great execution. Mm -hmm. And so, like, uh, it it can be as simple as anything. Like as someone like someone wants something and they can't get it. They they want a sandwich and they're the store is out of sandwiches. You know, executed well, that could be beautiful. Totally. <laughs> you know? I, I saw a short film about a guy who who orders a hundred cups of coffee in a morning. He goes to a coffee shop to order a hundred cups of coffee and it's kind of a stupid idea, but it was awesome. It's an awesome little short film and uh I would say um, if you want to create something without using your own idea, then I would just use somebody else's idea that you love. Take a scene from a film that you love or from total, a comic that total. you love or whatever and, and just remake it yourself or, uh, or collaborate and ask people that you know for ideas or anything they like and create something of theirs. If, if you're just looking to create something, that, that's what I do. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be uh, your own thing. There was a YouTuber who did that, and that's all he did was recreate scenes. He wanted to be an actor, so he just recreated scenes from movies that he loved. And it ended up that James Cameron was doing something with YouTube, and they invited him in, and like he got to act for James Cameron. Like, I mean, obviously, YouTube's not as fertile a place anymore, but that's a cool opportunity. So you should just do it, yeah. For yeah. sure. I, I, uh, uh, we got like five minutes, so if anybody has any questions that we can answer in two three minutes, minutes or one minute less. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, question over here. Hold yes, on. sir. Uh, hi there. Um, was kind of wondering, I guess Heartland is like one thing, but either with your theater productions or kind of the shorts that you do, um, where are you looking for actors? Is it uh, through the unions, ACTRA, non-union Facebook Great group, or where are you kind of looking? Yeah. That's coming from a very handsome man who looks like he could play a lead. <laughs> <laughs> <What are you? laughs> 
He also has like CO projected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. from the diaphragm, high cheekbones. <laughs> Put them in some. Yeah. Uh. Uh, well, actually, you know, I think um, being in things, this it's a it's a it's a terrible answer because it's a tricky thing of how do you get into something. But mm-hmm. but being uh, doing projects, no matter how big or small they are, uh, is a great way to. Uh, for for the people who would be interested in in hiring you to see you in something and then be interested in hiring you, uh, it's a, it's a very circuitous logic. But because uh, the the tricky thing with auditions is that the people you're seeing in an audition, like the the directors and the producers and the casting agents, are they've seen hundreds of people, and so uh, although you still need to do those, it's like, it's just part of the business. But I would say like the if if you're looking for sort of like a magic key, it would be more like doing doing YouTube shorts of of like you know uh, Shakespeare monologues or something like that, so good that no one could deny how good they were, you know. And uh, and then somebody in town sees that. I'm, I don't use that as a specific example, <laughs> but, but does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, like, try to get involved in whatever you can get involved with, um, and go to the auditions, be in the unions uh, as much as you can, and then uh, yeah, that that would like essentially you're 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 trying to cast your seeds as far and as diverse as possible. Yeah, I mean, casting directors, obviously, we, we actually, Matt and I are doing a panel at 4.30 today called Business School for Actors, so maybe come to that. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. No, well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm very lucky because I have a casting director and I have access to a lot of people and I just ask, I say, this is who I need, do you know anybody? Um for non-union people, you know, there's Facebook groups and uh, Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers also has a... Um, a what would you call it? A uh, message group, a the message, message group board thing, yeah. Where you, where you can find yeah, that's a huge place. And, yeah, if you're not on that, get awesome. on it for sure. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's a lot of there's a lot of ways though. If uh, we up. we are kind of out of time here, but if there's any questions that you guys just didn't want to yell out because there's people here and public speaking is a big fear, I'm a goddamn superhero for Understood. doing it. Understood. Uh, but if there's any questions or anything you guys want to get to, uh, they will get to them and answer them on the podcast. You can email those questions too. Hello at abfilmcast.ca. I'm on Twitter at Matt Waterworth. I'm at S. Westby. At typewriter Jason. At MS Lep or Scott period Lep at gmail.com. Nice. If there's and, any questions. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for coming and uh, have a great expo. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks. Well, thank you to the Calgary Expo for having us uh, yeah. for that panel. And thanks to um, Scott and Jason for joining us. Um, Always love hearing what they have to say. Yeah, and, and always love answering those kinds of questions as well. So if you have any, feel free to reach out. We, we, we're always here to help. Yeah, or if we were dumb and got something wrong, yeah, let us know that as well. True point. So uh, we, we just learned that the Best of Calgary Awards came out. Yay! Um, and there are a lot of people that, that we're stoked about. But of course, as a filmmaker's podcast, we must stick to the filmmakers. So yes. congratulations to Gary Burns. Because Calgary. Because Calgary. And filmmakers, uh, Gary Burns, who who came in first for the best filmmaker in Calgary, yeah. and Ramin Ashraki Yazdi. Because Calgary. Because Calgary. Yeah, he came in second. <laughs> and then third is Sandy Summers. Because Calgary. Because Calgary. She came in third. <laughs> I don't like the ranking. I feel like those three are all the best. They're um, fantastic. They're absolutely. all great. So congrats uh, to those three for, for that award um, and uh, the end of that story. Moving no, on. No, no, not the Wait, end. We got to congratulate Andrew Fung and Dave oh, Kelly no, and stop, Mandy Stobo. Okay. Just because they're film-related people. Film, That's Mandy a, Stobo too. Film-related yes, people, yes. yes, not not in the filmmaking. We're not going to talk we about could, Best we Chef. Could, we could get lost in the weeds on <laughs> yes, this for sure. For sure. So uh, congrats to everyone who won uh, the Best of Calgary Award. 
Um, it's always great to celebrate uh, little things. So. For sure. So CBC is seeking video creators for new content for a new content development program um, designed and targeted for uh, diverse uh, people. So um, it's a uh, opportunity for twelve video ca- creators to come to Calgary and learn and train and and create some digital focused content um, with the development and mentorship of uh, the CBC, which is really cool a really huge definitely yeah. opportunity for Absolutely. for some folks so um the deadline for that actually just got extended um to uh july 4th so that's really soon still but uh you you've got a bit of a window still if, because it was the 27th i think before so uh More so time. yeah get that in uh, Call for Submissions is now open for Edmonton's Got a Minute Film Festival. This will be its third year. It runs from September 26th to October 2nd, 2016. Um, it is free to submit for FAVA members and for youth uh, $15 submissions for the general public, which is super cheap. Uh, and the deadline is July 18. Send FAVA your one-minute silent short film in any genre. Live action, animated, experimental, documentary, and creative nonfiction films are all accepted. Um... This uh, will light up Patterson one-stop platform screens throughout the Edmonton LRT system, reaching 71,000 commuters daily. So um, Toronto, we talked about a, a film festival like this in Toronto uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. So it's super exciting and a super cool way to get uh, some short films out there. Um, so thanks to Fava for uh, putting this on. You can uh, contact Fava at GMFF, as in Gotta Minute Film Festival, gmff at fava.ca or check out gotaminutefilmfestival.com or the link to the show notes for more information. I think I meant, I forgot to mention link in the show notes for the CBC of course, program yeah. as well. Um, and the Shaw Rocket Fund is announcing uh, a kind of a revamp of their Shaw Rocket Prize. And the Shaw Rocket Fund is a great supporter of uh, family and kids focused content uh, across the nation. Um, and every year they do the Shaw Rocket Prize, which is one of the programs uh, that they uh, fund is eligible for some additional money um, based on this prize. So, um, so it's a bit of a, uh, I don't know how many filmmakers in, in Alberta are necessarily eligible for this. Um, but uh, it's worth noting that uh, the prize has changed from just looking at the at the program the, the content itself but but now taking into account the digital sphere that has to be around every piece of content these days because S- internet because internet <laughs> hashtag because internet uh and so yeah so yeah it's it's a huge amount of money uh so th- i believe it was uh 75 for one project 75,000 um and now they've split it into three winner take all 24 $25,000 prizes so more chances uh for for projects to get some cash there and 25k can go a long way if you're producing uh some some big budget content voted for by kids across Canada right that's true that's Good cool point. yeah very cool really um, so if you qualify uh deadline is August 24th and check out the the Shaw Rocket Prize kids.ca uh, upcoming workshops or classes. We've talked about this uh, a few times, but uh, there are still some spots open for the Summer Media Arts Camp with the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers. Um, so just glazing over it briefly. Two-week camp uh, from July 11th to the 22nd, Mondays to Fridays, 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Um, and it's for youth ages 13 to 17 uh, as an introduction to filmmaking practices. So very basics. You're, you're going to kind of get... Um, uh, your child or, or yourself, if you're a young listener, um, kind of get steeped in this, uh, what it is to be a filmmaker and what it actually means. So uh, definitely check it out, csaf.org, for more information. 
beating a dead horse because I know I've said it a million times, but I, I did this and it was awesome when I was a young person. You were never young. No. <laughs> no. You're 30 now, Matt. That's true. You are. Uh, hey, uh, big congrats to Brett Furster uh, for his short film face-off screening this past Saturday. Um, he unfortunately won't be moving on to the next round, but uh, he did have a great show and represented Alberta fantastically. Hugely, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think you can check out the show, certainly the short film on CBC short film faceoff.ca or something yeah. like that. And the film you're looking for is Clada. Clada, that's yeah. right. And how do you spell that? I'm not going to try that. <laughs> I think it's C-L-A-D-D-A-G-H. G-H, yeah. Yeah, so uh, definitely check out that short film uh, and support uh, your local filmmakers. Absolutely. Uh, Faba is hosting an optical printing workshop on July 17th. Lindsay McIntyre will be hosting it from uh, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Um, learn the basics of optical printing with Faba's user-friendly JK Optical Printer. Uh, it's a hands-on workshop. allows film- filmmakers to re-photograph strips of film um, on either 16 millimeter or digital. Uh, so it's kind of a cool workshop open to uh, Edmonton filmmakers. Uh, members, $50 plus GST. Non-members, $60 plus GST. Check out fava.ca for more information. And another Fava workshop happening, the Fava Free For All, uh, this time with sound. We've been talking about the lighting workshop they've been doing. This time on uh, July 24th, 1 to 5 p.m., it's the the location sound. So get your hands on the um, the gear there and, and get uh, get familiar with it and learn how to uh, get great sound, which is, man, something we all forget so about, even yeah. though we say it's so important right. and then we still... <laughs> Cut the budget on it, and and it's it really is something to to learn as much as you can about. Audiences will forgive not being able to see the picture, but hearing the sound is not not something they yeah, really they'll don't. walk out if if a theater has bad sound before they'll walk out of a of a bad picture. But how much does this workshop cost? Oh, uh, well, uh, the free for all is right. is the gimmick here, Scott. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's free. So it's free for who? For members, and right. there was a for limit. All. To, to the members, eight spots, yeah. Eight, eight spots, spots, continuing. Right. Uh, Free so for all. You got to register. It doesn't cost anything, but there's only eight people eight in. Oh, it's so great that they do that. It is great. I, yeah. I'm jealous. It's smart, yeah. We are on the CSIF board. Yeah, <laughs> something to maybe steal. We'll, yeah. Maybe something we'll <laughs> steal from Fava. Uh, thank God no one from Fava listens to this. Uh, okay, so what's shooting in Alberta? Um, Heartland and Tin Star, of course, are going hard uh, in Calgary and area. And then up in Edmonton, um, starting... Next week is hashtag Roxy. Yeah. So they're uh, in pre-production right now. That's an interesting one. You know, when we were in Banff, um, we were talking, you know, the big conversation at Banff, finally and smartly, is hire and cast influencers, right? Right. Because there's a there's a whole world of YouTube video gamers and, and Twitter celebrities. And, and, and so... So that's a cool one because what I'm hearing is some of the casting on that movie is targeting that kind right. of... So maybe people you've never heard of, but they still have 40,000 followers on, Insta- well, on so Twitter. F- it's so funny because the, the generation gap is so distinct, I think, between our generation and the upcoming one. And I'm sure every generation thinks this, but just the fact that there are YouTube stars with millions and millions of followers that mm-hmm. we've never even heard of. Yeah, for sure. But the, but this is serious business now. To Absolutely, like these are they're these are producing more. Con- they're producing more content and getting more viewers than CNN or right. you know, like you can pick pick a show that's right. on cable and yeah. they're probably beating it. Yeah, and their YouTube videos get more viewers than Heartland. Like yeah. this is this is massive stuff, and it's just so it's so great that we're finally uh, figuring out <laughs> out that that we should be tapping into these, these audiences. Um, yeah, it's about time. 
Yeah, it is about time. Um, uh, and since we're talking about things that are in pre-production, we should also congratulate Everfall going into production. Our friends right. uh, John Kisak. Yeah, and, and Jason Therian. Jason yeah. Therian. Green yeah. Productions, yeah. Uh, that'll be in September about the same time as Plainview. Um, so we'll be uh, hopefully somehow figuring out a way to, to at least emotionally support each other, uh, if not in other ways. For sure. So job calls. Uh, Nate up in Edmonton is looking for an instructor for oh, their radio really? and television wow. program. Hmm. Yeah. So this is a this is their two year diploma within the School of Applied Sciences and Technologies, and they're looking for an instructor in the television stream. Um, of course, you sh- you'll need a broad range of professional experience in the TV industry. Um, you'll need to prepare and present lessons and courses relating to TV production, including news reporting and producing. Uh, you'll need to actively participate in curriculum development, organize and supervise practical assignments. The list goes on for a very long time. So they're looking for an awesome uh, a human who can who can kind of take this on and, and of course, help the future. They are our future. The indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, definitely apply for that. Um, you can check out the show notes for a link on how to go about doing that. And they're looking for a new production, uh, sorry, programming director at Quick Draw Animation Society. Um, if you're interested in this, the deadline is July 4th, and the programming director is responsible for kind of overseeing and, and leading the activities when it comes to all the programming events and initiatives, including uh, screenings and workshops and uh, communication initiatives as well. So uh, it's about 30 hours per week, and uh, you're reporting to the executive director there, and you can find out more information in the show notes. Okay, let's get on to recommendations and, and cut the show down. That's right, yeah, long show. So I'm going to recommend a podcast. I never recommend podcasts because I don't really listen to them. You're not much of a listener. You're not a podcast a creator. I just, I speaking to Mike's not hard. <laughs> right. But I did listen to one, uh, Briar and I listened to one over the weekend called Serial. Mm-hmm. Um, not the breakfast cereal, of course. Um, and if you haven't heard of this podcast, um, you're like me. Because I, I, I'd heard, it was the, kind of the only one that I had heard about. And I was like, oh, I should listen to that someday. It's kind of old. It's like last year's, last year's news. They've done a second season now. Yep. Uh, but we listened to the first season. And if you're going to ever listen to one podcast, shut this piece of shit off and, and turn on Serial. Because <laughs> uh, it's awesome. It's like 10 episodes uh, following this murder case. I'm not going to say anything about it. But uh, it's absolutely riveting and uh, and wonderful. It's amazing. I, I think when I was listen, I was listening to it as they came out and I think they were dropping them on Thursdays. Mm. And Yeah, you were following along. I remember you every Oh week yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And but I was I think I was up like stupid late until 3 a.m. or something and I happened to catch that the new one had posted it was like Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Right. They posted it like overnight kind of thing. And I was like, "Oh no, I have to listen." <laughs> stay up, stay up and listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I remember, I, I remember you chatting with one of our clients about it. You see each yeah. other. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were seeing each other a lot yeah, at the time. You're sure. like, "Cereal," and then and I had to like leave the room because I kind of wanted yeah. to listen. But uh, it was definitely worth worth the worth the journey. And so, well crafted uh, storytelling, hugely, sure. yeah, wonderful storytelling, and and such a such a great voice. Just listening to uh, Sarah Koenig talk, up, just speak. She's so mm-hmm. down to earth mm-hmm. and, and uh, a wonderful writer, um, and sounds so casual. And they're working on season season three right now as well. Oh, I, I will. Listen, I will be listening. Sure. What's your recommendation, Matt? Uh, you know, but even before I went to film school, I read a book called "What They Don't Teach You in Film School." To be prepared. That's right. <laughs> so I'll get the other stuff. Right. Um, and it, it's written by uh, two ladies, and they their insights are just fantastic. And it's a bit. It reads a bit like a blog uh, before blogging was popular. It's because it's very snack size, like very short, 
short sure. chapters. Um, but I remember uh, just being really impressed with with some of the content because it's not all about like be sure to frame your shot like this. It's it's more like like get a lawyer. And one thing I remember loving about it was they one tip was make your bet. They said make your bet no matter what. When you wake up in the morning and you're going to set, make your bed because if it's a tough day on set, you can at least always think that you've got a, a nice warm made bed to crawl into <laughs> at the end of this day and, and it gets you through some some of the harder stuff. But some of the chapter names are, are like uh, Hustling, Hype for Cheap, Friends, Enemies, Lovers, and Thieves. It's a sad dog who can't wag its own tail. It's, it's an interesting perspective and uh, I'm just kind of revisiting it now as we go into production here. Cool. So it's a, it's a good one. Nice. Um, okay, well, that's it. That's all. Special thanks, as always, to Briar, who uh, who does the news for us um, and, and kind of keeps me motivated a little bit, where she's like, you're going to record the podcast today, right? Yeah, like, yeah you know, I, I did all the like, work of getting this. if you don't, then it was <laughs> yeah. all fucking for nothing, so you're going to record it, by yeah. the way. <laughs> it's yes. good. It's good to have you. Yeah, it is. A little bit of motivation. For maybe, sure. Maybe we don't have it. So, uh, yeah, thanks to her, as always. If you are an Alberta filmmaker, then this podcast is not only for you to be listening to, but for you to participate in. So if you have news, please share it with us. Yeah. Yeah. We've been getting people kind of reaching out being like, hey, can you tell everyone about this? And you are free to do it too. Absolutely. Yeah. And and here and there uh, we, we have, but but yeah, it'd be nice to to hear more from the audience. So don't feel like yeah, you Yeah, don't you feel can't. like this is a one-way street. Um, this yeah. is a, communica- or a conversation that we should all be involved in. So please, if you have something that you're shooting, um, you, you should be thinking about marketing now. And this is part of it. Reach out to your local community. Uh, and that includes us. Matt, how can they do it? Info at abfilmcast.ca is the email address. And we are abfilmcast on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Is it not hello at abfilmcast? Sorry, yeah. He- hello. Whoa. <laughs> Info is our... <laughs> Info is the other one. Good. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Uh, hello at abfilmcast. Yes. And uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, what else? Instagram account exists, but haven't done much with it yet. No. Nah. Anyway. But Twitter, Facebook, AB Film. And Plus. iTunes. Yeah, and iTunes, of course. Give us those sweet, sweet five-star ratings uh, and keep that thing pushed to the top. And go, go make, make something. something.